Okay, I'm so excited to get into it. I feel like it's been forever since I've recorded a podcast. It's probably been nine months. Um, I, I was thinking about changing the name, so I'm going to try it out, and it's going to be called From the Rocket. So I am recording this from Jersey City right now at one of my girlfriend's places, Kim Sass. I'm in her apartment, and I've stayed for a lovely two weeks now, and uh, moving into an Airbnb for another week to just extend my stay here in New York. Um, pretty much just been adjusting to jet lag, which hit me pretty hard and I think took me longer than the average person to kind of get back to myself. And everyone kind of was telling me to stay up on the flight from Moscow to JFK. It's about a 10 hour flight. And so that's what I did. And it just really backfired. So those people don't listen to them. They're wrong. Never do that. Always choose sleep. (laughs) Um, I'm doing a lot of thinking, especially now being back in North America. I've just come back from Russia. Just playing pro hockey over there this year. And now what I'm thinking mainly is what my next steps are. And I still don't know really, but I do know that I love making these podcasts. So I'm excited to start this back up as a regular part of my week. And where I'm at right now... I'm looking for work, thinking about where to play next year. Will I play? Um, Lots of questions like that, as I'm sure lots of other female hockey players are doing. Um, Can I do those two things hand in hand? That would be the dream and ideal to be able to make money and play hockey or work and play at the same time. But time will have to do the telling on that one. So first things, I guess I could talk about the NWHL and what's going on there. To be honest, uh, I think most female hockey players are probably out of the loop. Uh, Maybe me more so because I'm just getting back to Russia um, and it's been pretty crazy what's been happening. Um, You know, I only think this since, since I gotten back, I've heard really so many variations stories, rumors, what's going on in the state of women's hockey. And I I believe that likely the NWHL will be the only operating league next year as the CWHL has folded and doesn't look like it's going to be revived. But that's the information I kind of have so far. And I kind of read the same papers that you all do too. So Um, There's not too much information made public. Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much to the best of my knowledge. I believe that the NWHL will be the only league standing next year. Um, Am I thinking about personally coming back to the NWHL? Um, Well, I am as of now. I'm a free agent, so my contract in Russia just came to an end. And I would be open to playing overseas again or, or playing in North America, too. And my main reason that I went to Russia this past year was to work toward my goal that I set to play for Canada in the Olympic Games uh, 2022. And I'm not currently a carded player, and I knew this was a big goal, but it's been my dream and uh, since I was a little girl and believed, you know, just going overseas to just play hockey as my job and develop 
that would get me one step closer to my goal versus working and playing at the same time and dividing my energy up. Um, the next step that I envisioned for me after Russia was actually, I was thinking to play in the CWHL just for exposure, um, you know, kind of get back into the Canadian circuit as I'd been playing in the National Men's Hockey League for three seasons prior. Um, however, that, that league folded and I found that out while I was out in Russia, actually, um, uh, due to lack of funds. That's the reason that was published. And so that happened a few weeks ago. And so I've been currently trying to figure out a new plan here. And I'm I'm training right now as if I'm going to play come September. And I've been in an off-season program for about three weeks now. So thinking to start getting back on the ice in a week or two. And I think that I want to do that just because you can only control so much. So if I play where I play, I get a contract, things work out. I can't really control that, but I can control if I prepare myself for what I want to do. Um, so that's kind of my state of mind right now. And I guess since being back too, I've been asked a lot about the pros and cons of maybe going to Russia, of the NWHL. And I think it's simple how I think of it. In Russia, hockey was my job. I was truly a professional hockey player. I just worked out, recovered, trained, lived like a true pro athlete, uh, like my NHL counterparts would. Um, and that was maybe the coolest thing ever. I may never get that opportunity again in my life. So I, it's really special to me. And um, now I know exactly what it would take to play out a pro season. Um, and in the NWHL, it, it was tough, but I just loved playing so much. And initially, actually, I thought I was just going to play one year in Buffalo and that was going to be it. And then when I got there, I realized that the level was elevated and it's kind of started a new motivation in me. I was coming out of, um, college at UBC and I was feeling like I had grown a lot there and I felt really confident in my skills and then um, when I played that first season in the National Women's Hockey League I just realized I had a gap that I needed to improve and develop and thought you know maybe I'm gonna keep going and try to reach my peak potential and keep playing and here I am now played four years of pro hockey now three in North America one in Russia um, but back to what I was saying and in the NWHL, I, I worked odd jobs on the side. That's kind of how I got by. I played and I worked. And being Canadian, that was my challenge. Um, you know, I some jobs to name off off the top of my head. I nannied. I coached private hockey lessons. I even waitressed. I was a live-in personal trainer and a health coach, to name a few. Um, this was... Yeah, like I just said, I was Canadian and the visas that I was granted through the league uh, allowed me to only receive income from playing and the salaries are quite minimal. As some know, I don't know if it's so like widely broadcasted what we had made, but um, in my first season, I 
believe it was either 15,000 or $15,500 for the first year. Um, and all the salaries were kind of around there. And then a couple Olympic players were making uh, 23,000. I think that's kind of how they were split up. Um, and in the second year, I, I signed for, I guess, a raise to almost near 17,000. And um, our pay ended up being cut. And I don't know the exact percentage it was around 60% or 70%, something like that. Um, and then I guess the third season, we made even less, but I had an okay situation on the side so I could kind of get by and play out the year. But all my time, I wasn't exactly, you know, bringing in so much money. And sometimes it's like, I think, really glorified what people are doing. But I guess when you have goals and you have a dream and something you want to accomplish, you'll kind of just do anything that'll get you there. So for me, this was kind of my path. And um, I guess it became tiring for me to work these different side jobs that weren't my number one passion and to be able to play. And so when I got the opportunity to go to Russia, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Should I go play in Calgary? I was talking with the GM there and was thinking I should just go work, live in Calgary. But it was going to be a little bit of a struggle after my last three years. I was finishing up my degree and playing and not you know, not supporting myself as well as, as you could imagine. And then um, when I got this, my, I was sitting in Vancouver, I was taking my last couple of courses, like last summer, and Graham Thomas, um, he came in my third year at university and still maintained a great relationship. He's just been like one of the best things to happen to that program. I could go on and on about him, uh, but I won't for now. Um, and uh yeah just in case he's listening doesn't get (laughs) too much go to his head but um he brought up that he'd connected with someone in Russia an agent over there and said you know do you want to go there this is kind of the salary this is what's going on and I kind of laughed at first saying what do you mean I can't just go to Russia but at the same time I, I didn't have anything tying me down at the time I wasn't in like uh, a deep relationship or something like that at the time. And so it was maybe the perfect opportunity for me to go. And I never thought I would get that opportunity again. So um, (laughs) I decided to go. That's kind of how I got that opportunity. And I had no prior knowledge of the Russian language at all. Um, So it presented, the language barrier was pretty difficult, but um, uh, overall, I would describe it as an incredible experience. And one other thing I could mention is that um, one of my family members immigrated from the Soviet Union, and um, it was kind of, yeah, it was really touching to be able to uh, go to a place where my relatives live at lived and um just really get that sense of connection to part of my family's roots and to be able to learn the customs culture uh get to some sort of understanding of russian i'm at a pretty beginner level still but um 
using Duolingo and everything to still try to learn because I don't think I should lose it after trying. It took me about three months to hear the actual separation in the words of the Russian language. At first, when I got there, everything just sounded like one continuous word. It was that was probably the most difficult part for me was my ear adjusting. But um, playing overseas gave me so much perspective as well. I believe it's impacted my life in all positive ways, regardless of how challenging some days were, some weeks, even, (laughs) you know. Um, And I believe it's really impacted me. I grew up a lot there. I think it really, yeah, it really developed me as a person, too. So um, you learn a lot about yourself when you're restricted from language. And there's so much to say, but I guess for now, I will just say the, there are a lot of differences between, I guess, North American style hockey and overseas. And my experience in Russia, the style of play was really fast, creative, strategic, and so many ways different uh, to playing and growing up in Canada, playing in the States and People say at the end of the day, it's just hockey. It still sticks a puck. It's it's hockey. It's game hockey. And but the the first part of my season, I truly felt like I was on another planet. It was a, a lot of adjustments. And um, if if I had any advice for a future import going over anywhere overseas, I guess it it would just be to embrace uh, the way of life as soon as you can. Uh, like in and out of the locker room, you know, pick up the team's ways as quickly as possible and play exactly how they want you to play. Um, You know, do exactly what they want you to do. And that's something I wish I'd known to do from my first practice forward. But there's a learning curve to anything. And for me, that that was a bit like steeper at the beginning. Um, But I had I had a lot of help from my teammates and friends there, so it was good and yeah. Especially, I think the hardest part was probably the language barrier. But in looking forward to next season, uh, I would still consider playing in Russia. I I think I would only go if that meant that I could make more money being over there than I could in North America, just because it was so much separation um and isolation from family back home and that sense of community towards the end I started to develop deeper relationships and I know that a second season would be a lot easier than the first one but um and I also didn't come home at all so I probably would have come home for two weeks uh that would be good too but yeah I mean I'm considering all options and in the back of my mind, I, I won a cup in New York and I came here to visit and I missed the city. So I would love the opportunity to play in New York. And in doing that, it, it does require getting either a job where you have sponsorship from your employer. Um, and I'm at a point where I kind of I don't really want, it, it's not appealing to me to do kind of odd jobs. I'm not 100 percent passionate about um, unless they're in my area. Um, and I, I want to be able to have some stability, be able to maybe, you know, sign a lease for (laughs) more than eight months, more than a year, um, be able to work and play.
Um, next up, I guess we can talk about um, some of the fan questions that I got. And I got so many of them, so I kind of narrowed down to what I kind of wanted to talk about and um, then throw in some things that I didn't actually talk about. So I picked five. So I'm just going to call it the fan, the fan five. <laughs> um, so the first one I will talk about, I was asked, uh, what have I heard about what's developing next year for the NWHL? So I kind of touched on that a bit. Um, so I'll just make this a bit of a shorter answer. Uh, I think I'll stick to what's been out there as public knowledge. You know, uh, anything else is kind of just rumor until it happens. I feel a bit of my dark in the dark myself, <laughs> and I am looking to find somewhere to play. So um, it's hard for me to answer, but it seems like it will expand into Canada. Like it's been announced that Montreal and Toronto are going to be in the mix. So I guess that's truly all I know about this at this point. Um, hopefully some more investors, I would assume, because if they're expanding into Canada, that means more travel and we need a bit more money. But who knows? I guess we will see. And another question, uh, how do I think pro hockey in North America will evolve with the CWHL folding and NWHL coming into Montreal and Toronto. Wow, really leads in there. Okay, so I guess I can speak about this from my own perspective, my own opinion, but uh, I think it's probably a no-brainer that the NWHL expanded into Montreal and Toronto. The league's, uh, the NWHL's commissioner, Danny Ryland, has had a vision to have a true kind of NHL for women. Uh, so I would believe that they would continue to expand each year if it's possible into the U.S. and Canada. So, uh, and I'm not privy, of course, to the business model or like investor funds, donations, et cetera, that the league receives or um, the business side of things. So this is a question probably better directed to uh, the NWHL itself, but I'm sure that the plan would be to have a sustainable league with teams in Canada, the States and able to grow, keep, yeah, keep growing the teams, hopefully raising the pay with, uh, continued exposure and marketing. And I personally have a lot of questions and thoughts too, for as far as Canadian players are concerned this next season. If there's only the one league, I guess there will be limited spots, limited roster spots. So there will be a lot of players um, without contracts that would have previously had them. And there's also no longer teams in so many Canadian cities. And um, so if players will want to play, even if they're at the top of their game and they lived in Calgary, for example, then are they going to have to uproot their whole life and move to Montreal or Toronto? So there's so many things to consider with that. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting and probably stressful time for a lot of players and maybe sad, a lot of careers coming to an end too early. Um, yeah, especially during this specific free agency period, I find that this has been the strangest and most intensified gray area I've felt than usual. Um, 
And it's probably the same for all female hockey players looking for contracts next season. Um, but yeah, I'll get into the last three questions. Uh, what's, what school did I go to? I just wanted to ask this question or answer this question because I just had such a great experience at UBC. I went to University of British Columbia in Vancouver, uh, finished with a major in psychology and I, so I played five seasons of hockey there for the UBC Thunderbirds, the T-Birds, <laughs> and it was such an incredible experience. I was very fortunate to be a part of some really special groups and to live in such a beautiful province in Canada. It'll always be a really yeah, dear place in my heart. And uh, the fourth question I have here is what are the average hockey salaries what did you make in Russia and what are the salaries like in North America uh, so in Russia this last year I made uh, I signed for $50,000 so 50 grand and the taxes are really high um, so that's why I signed for that amount so that I could have my taxes paid for um, yeah 30% taxes pretty wild so yeah, I ended up traveling around and able to save a little bit, but um, and just have a great experience overseas. And then in North America, my first season, like I said, I uh, was paid about fifteen thousand dollars, and my second season was that pay cut season, so a bit of a raise, but not really because uh, salaries were cut shortly after. Um, and then I my third year. The salaries were, I, I actually can't remember this off the top of my head. I would need to check, but I believe that we were making, we were getting paid per game, um, like $300 per game. So if you, and $25 a practice. So we would practice two times a week and then a game on the weekend. But usually we would play only two to three games per month. So uh, you would really only make at most a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, depending on your contract uh, per month, and the season was six months long. Um, and then, so you can tally that up if you want, but I didn't do that before I started recording. Um, and then, um, I guess I don't know specifically this season because I didn't play in the league, but um, I believe that players made about. Um, an average like twenty five hundred dollars uh, to thirty five hundred dollars this year. Maybe a couple people made four thousand, but like, I really don't know. Um, those haven't been made public at all. So something like that, and for a whole season. So it's pretty crazy that um, these female athletes are working out like crazy, skating, playing for pretty much pennies right now, you know? So the game is at a really pivotal point right now, uh, trying to grow it, keep the level, and keep players playing. But it's, I think, so hard for people to balance. There's only so many hours in one week. And if you're working a job, um, like 50 hours a week, and then your only available time is maybe devoted to just training or where does family or relationships factor into there or just having hobbies or spending time on yourself. Um, I think that's just a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but I'll just get into the last question now. Uh, what moment stands out to you when you think about playing 
women's hockey in Russia? I thought this question was so interesting because the most simple memory came to mind. Um, but it actually just seems so huge picture to me. So when I was playing in the all-star game in Russia this past year, um, we had a practice the day before the all-star game in Nesnikamsk. And when we showed up to the rink the next day, I, I kind of assumed on game day just that we were going to go grab our gear and move it over to the big rink or we were going to get dressed and walk in skate guards over to the bigger rink that was next door. Um, and when we got there, we were walked in right to the big rink and I was kind of confused. So are some of the other girls, but so we walk in and all our gear was just laid out completely professionally. Um, <laughs> we, it seems so silly maybe to, to some people, but we, the equipment managers and other staff had all moved our equipment from the practice rink into the game rink, set up our stalls, socks and jerseys and anything you could want to like eat, any equipment you need. It was all just so set up and professional for the game. And it just blew my mind because when I sat down in my stall, I was thinking this is the first time I hadn't had to carry my own equipment into a rink for a game day or like unpack it and set it up in the game day dressing room the day of a game. And so I had so many mixed emotions. I felt grateful, but also just was kind of eye-opening to me that I forgot how much effort and uh, energy just that I put into being able to play hockey. Um, you know, it's, there's a far, <laughs> there, I will just say that it's got a far way to go, the women's game. Um, the fact that something like that, like would surprise me and I would, I initially felt grateful. And then I was wondering, you know, why isn't it this way? Like every time, you know, um, and I think it's, you know, this year the NWHL, I'm stumbling on words because it's really hard to explain that feeling, I guess, but the NWHL exists right now and, and it is growing and there is a lot of ways for it to improve and get, get to that true pro hockey league level. It's not a knock on any female athlete. I think the level is so high and probably higher than, than it could be with the lack of resources and time that people have to work out and own their crafts but you know it's it's also it's got some ways to go before it's a full-time job for a female athlete so it's hard it's going to be hard I think for any female pro hockey player uh, to be certain of their future in the up upcoming season too and I hope that I will be a positive part of helping continue to grow the game wherever I play and continue to better myself as a hockey player to reach my goal of playing in the Olympics. But there's also that reality that um, it might not work out where it's possible for me to work and play um, in the same place to further pursue my goals. But... Um,
Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Such a hard topic to talk about. And I might not even have said or covered things that people are curious about, but these are kind of my own experiences too. So I'm walking a bit of a line and feel free to reach out to me via Twitter if you have any questions or comments. That's the best way to get a timely response from me. Um, And I also welcome any feedback or future topics you'd like to hear about. And thanks again for tuning in. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Hope you have a magnificent weekend.